turn to the Word of God, please, of a reading and a verse. A verse of Scripture and a reading. We want you to turn to Revelation chapter 11. And this is our little verse we want to read. Bless the name of Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. This is a, a difficult subject tonight. And it's a controversial subject tonight. And it's one of those subjects to get you into trouble. Not you into trouble, me into trouble. And so you can breathe, you'll be okay. But nevertheless, we believe it is the word of the Lord. And we believe the word of the Lord needs taught and told and truth and in love. And please remember, it is always in love. Revelation chapter 11, just one verse, please. Verse 15. Verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 2. The book of Daniel chapter 2. Beginning to read at verse 31. I'm delighted to see so many out. It's Mother's Day and people are away all over the place. And there's people away taking, because it's obviously St. Patrick's weekend sort of a break as well. So I'm delighted to see so many of you out. Lord willing, we'll be back to almost full strength next week. Good to see you. Daniel chapter 2. Just saying that while you were looking that up. Thy, O king, sawest, and behold a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee. And the form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold, his breast and arms of silver, his belly and thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver and the gold broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the great image became a great mountain, and filled the whole earth. Notice that, became a great mountain, and filled the whole earth. Let's pray. Eternal Father, we just ask you now to shut us all in with yourself, to bless and encourage your people, but to instruct us in the ways of our God and help us, Lord, to see that your coming is nigh. We believe even at the doors, Lord. We know not the day, we know not the hour, but, Lord, the signs of the times are everywhere. And help us to discern your word is true. And, Lord, that this is coming to pass, even the days in which we live. So glorify your name, Lord Jesus, for it's in your name and your name alone we ask it. Amen. Okay, could I just ask you to turn me down a little, feel I'm just booming a little bit, thank you. In our verse that we read, Revelation 7 and verse 15, it says, The seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Notice, and he shall reign forever and ever. The angel Gabriel announced to a young virgin girl, Mary, in Revelation, or Luke's rather, chapter 1, verse 31, this is what Gabriel said to her. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Verse 32. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign, notice, over the house of Jacob forever. And of his throne, or of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Notice, of his kingdom, there shall be no end. You know, around Christmas time, we always hear a wonderful prophecy that was giving off the coming of Christ And you'll find it in the book of Isaiah. Turn with me, please, to the book of Isaiah. Chapter 9, reading from 
verse 6. This is 750 years before Christ was born in Bethlehem. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now notice this. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Here Isaiah the prophet speaking in the unction of the Holy Spirit. He says that there's going to be a child born. Secondly a son given. And his name is going to be called Wonderful Counselor. The Mighty God. Notice the Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. And we always read that around what's known as Christmas time. You hear it in churches all across the land. But really this is speaking of him coming at Bethlehem, but also of his kingdom which is to come running into the next verse. Notice what it says. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. And he says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So we're looking at Isaiah 6 and 9, where it says that the zeal or the the Lord will come. And then the next verse tells us that he'll come again. His second coming. Two verses are telling us about the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. All in two verses of God's word inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. So when the angel Gabriel comes unto a young virgin girl, Mary, he says to her that this first verse, Isaiah 9 and 6 as we know it, is going to come to pass, Mary. And he says that this one that you will have, it says, the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Notice, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. So now we look at Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15, the verse which we've read, and we see it again still in the future. 11 and 15 still hasn't happened, but it's on its way. We're getting there, and we're going to show you how it's going to take place. I believe sooner rather than later. It says, The seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven. In other words, there was a great proclamation A great declaration was made by the angelic host of heaven. And God had shown even them that Christ was ruler over all. That the increase of his government had already taken place. As far as God was concerned, it had already happened. He had already done it. Christ was already on the throne. Yet to you and I, it still hasn't happened. So notice this. Here he's looking into the future. And the angels are even seeing a vision of this. And of course it says that the voices in heaven are saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So what are the kingdoms of this world? We looked at part one last week, and we showed you some of them. But stay with me, for I want to really take you from the east now into the west. We were in the east last week and we showed you the four empires of Greece. We showed you Islam being born. We showed you the little horn of the east and we showed you the mosque of Omar and that's a mosque on the Temple Mount. And we showed you how this there now is the little horn of the west. So tonight we want to focus our attention on the little horn of the west. Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 2 is the king of Babylon. Now remember the house of Israel. Israel are carried away That is the northern ten tribe kingdom. And they are not in this. This is to the two tribe kingdom of the house of Judah. Or what's called the Jews. uh, They're carried away by Nebuchadnezzar into Babylon. And so 
Nebuchadnezzar takes the like of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and the cream of that society are taken. And Daniel is known as a young man who had an excellent spirit. Daniel's a man greatly beloved by God. And of course, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. No one can understand what the dream was. Nebuchadnezzar says to his soothsayers and his magicians, he says, I want you to get around me and tell me what dream I had. And he says, well, tell us the dream. We'll tell you the interpretation. He says, no, you tell me the dream on the interpretation. And if you're unable, I'm going to take off your heads. Somebody thinks clever here and says, what about Daniel? Daniel is sent for, and he gives a little space to Daniel in order to seek the face of God. And there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets, brother. There's a God in heaven that revealeth secrets, sister. Even all the secrets of our heart, even as we heard just a little earlier there in the Spirit. Notice this. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Daniel chapter 2, verse 31. Look at it with me, if you will. Daniel chapter 2, verse 31 Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Daniel comes back to tell him the interpretation that God has given him. He says, Thou, O king, i.e. Nebuchadnezzar, Thou, O king, sawest and behold a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of gold, his breast and arms of silver, his belly and thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron, part of clay. Now notice this. He sees this great image. We're going to show you in a moment uh, a photo of it. And then he says in the next verse, notice, thou sawest till. Here is a period of time in this vision. He's looking at it. Nebuchadnezzar, you saw the head of gold, the silver, the brass, the iron, the iron and the clay feet. He says, and you beheld it. You saw it, notice, formed, fully fashioned. You looked at it till, in other words, there's a period of time. Somewhere along this, there's a, a line of time or a timeline. Till, notice what he sees next. Till that a stone cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet, that were of iron and clay, and break them to pieces. Now, notice where this image is broken to pieces. Denise, will you put up picture one for me, please? Notice where this image is broken to pieces. It's broken to pieces at the feet of iron and clay. A great stone cut out without hands. It hits it right at the feet. You see, this is four kingdom powers. We see four kingdom powers in this vision. How do we know that? Well, let's look at it again. Daniel chapter 2, verse 34. Thou sawest till that a stone kingdom was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together, and they became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor. When the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now, notice what verse 36 of Daniel chapter 2 says. This is the dream, and we will give thee the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee power and strength and glory. Now notice what he says, And wheresoever the children of men dwell, and the beasts of the field, and the fowls of heaven, hath he given unto thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Notice, Thou, he says to the king, Thou art this head of gold. Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold. This Babylonian kingdom which you rule over, this is the head of gold. The Babylonian kingdom is the golden head. Picture two, please, Denise. Here is an artist's impression of this image which he saw. The head of gold is the Babylonian kingdom or empire. Okay, the second one down is silver. We looked at it last week also. Two arms on the chest or breast of silver. Remember, is the next kingdom which overtook Babylon, which is called the Medo-Persian kingdom. It was a coalition of two kingdoms together, hence two arms. Now let's stay here and look at the brass. The brass kingdom. 
is Alexander the Great. And we moved from the brass, and we showed you the four leopard with four heads and four wings like a file. We showed you all that. We'll show you it again in a moment. But this brass kingdom was Alexander the Great. And out of that came four generals and four provinces at the death of Alexander the Great. Then we showed you and a horn coming out. And that was, of course, then the little horn of the east. So if you want to know any more about that, you've got to get the CD. I can't take you that way. But let's reverse back a little. Notice where it hits him. It hits him. The stone hits him at the feet. At the feet. Now notice Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome. It's Rome is their legs of iron. The legs of iron symbolize that Roman Empire where we have the Caesars of Rome. The iron legs symbolize that empire which Pontius Pilate belonged to who ordered the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus. So then we have the Roman Empire. And then the, the iron continues but starts to mix with clay at the feet. And it's at those feet, the stone kingdom, it's cut out without hands. In other words, divine origin, it's created of God, not made by man. Not a man's kingdom, but God's kingdom of creation. Nebuchadnezzar sees this. And he doesn't understand. He, he can't receive it. And he can't perceive it. He can't believe it. Because he's looking at it, but his spirit is dead toward it. That's the way many people are with the gospel. That's the way many people are to hear the word of the Lord. They can't receive it because they're dead in their trespasses and sins. And they can't receive it because they don't want to know the things of God. They can't believe the things of God. But if God touches your heart, and if God stirs your life, and if God touches your mind, and something deep inside you says, you know, this word is right, this Bible is true, this Christ is risen who died for you, then you must understand and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Hear this man, Nebuchadnezzar. What did he do? He saw the second coming of Christ, but he couldn't understand what it meant. It was a stone cut out with hand, without hands, smashing down at the feet of this great image. You know, whenever we look at it, this man had a dream, and he couldn't understand the symbolism of it. Notice what verse 35 says of Daniel 2. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together. Notice that. Broken to pieces together. In other words, the traits of Babylon went right down through Medo-Persia, went right down through Greece, went right down through Rome, went right down to the feet of iron and clay. Very, very important. You take a note of that, a mental note even of it. The whole trade of Babylon continues on. False idolatrous worship comes from Babylon. Mother and child worship comes from Babylon. Son worship comes from Babylon. Nimrod, as it were, was said to be the risen uh, God in the heavens and worship the sun. This is where we get the sunburst. This is where you get the sunburst on a monstrous in a Catholic church from. This is where you get the illuminated heads around in all the paintings and the chapels and, and, uh, and all these uh, places of holy worship. It comes from sun worship and it's been mixturized. It's been uh, taken and worked in with religion through the pagan Romanism right into the, we're going to show you the little horn of the West that rose up. But please take this into notice. Nebuchadnezzar seen it, but couldn't receive it. Nebuchadnezzar seen the second coming of Christ, but it just looked like a big stone. Here we see Christ's kingdom coming and people think it's going to be some sort of happy day, glorious picnic. Some people think it's going to be a wonderful day. For those that are saved, it will be. But for those who are not saved, they'll find this is the day the stone smashes the feet and it is a day of wrath and it's a day of judgment. Here we have Nebuchadnezzar saying he couldn't understand and and Daniel says, you know what? You're going to see in your dream, you have seen the evils and the religious, satanically inspired, man-driven faiths, their practices, and all to do with their lifestyles, smashed, he says, at the very feet 
at the coming of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 says these words. Notice this. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Nebuchadnezzar, this is hidden to you. Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold. And as I said last week, by chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar uh, is... Chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar uh, is calling on Daniel again. He then builds a, a tower of gold to represent himself, false idolatrous worship, and his measurements were 6 by 6 by 60. You know, so we have this 666 coming into it. You go to Revelation chapter 3, we have the number of a, of a system, a religion, which is the number of a man, which is 666. Carried right through. And here we have the Apostle Paul telling us, notice what it says, Second Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. The word hid here is the word kalupto, and it means if our gospel is veiled, like a veil dropping over your head. If our gospel is like a curtain coming down. Do you ever get in your witnessing to people about the gospel and it's as though a veil's dropped over their head? It's like a curtain has come down between you and oh, I don't want to know anymore. That's okay, but don't preach it to me. You see, they're being told it, but they're not able to believe it nor receive it until the Holy Ghost comes and quickens them. Here we have men and women dying in their sins without Christ and men and women going out into a lost eternity, launched out into the darkness without God and without Christ and without hope in the world. Trust there's none tonight that will go like that. But you'll come to Christ. Here we have the God of this world. We're told that if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now listen to this word. I want you to stay with me. I want you to draw into me because from here on in, we're going to start going a little deeper. We're going to start looking at beasts. We're going to start taking this apart, let you see where you are tonight in the world, in this world system. The word here, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, the word world there is the word ion. Sometimes when you read the word world, in the, in the Gospels, it can, it, can, it can mean cosmos, this system of things simply. It can mean uh, a couple of different words like age. This one can mean age, but it can also mean, it can also mean, listen, a period of time which is marked by spiritual or moral characteristics. A period of time which is marked by spiritual or moral characteristics. And listen, Paul is saying, Look, the God of this world, i.e. Satan, the devil himself, he says he has blinded the minds of men and women and this period of time is a time of spiritual and moral, or should I say, satanically spiritual and immoral characteristics. Every single thing in our lives, in our world, in where we live, are satanically inspired outside of Christ. Everything. This world is run by the God of this world. Yet I want you to know our God is the God of all things. The idea here is the system that you and I allow ourselves to live in. The system that you and I allow ourselves to be treated like. The system that you and I go and do the things of the world and live like the world and live like little devils. That system is the system of Satan. And he ruins that world and he blinds the minds and he blinds the eyes of men and women and they can even see things, even like Nebuchadnezzar and a great stone smashing on the feet. But that's all they see and they cannot receive. But oh, tonight maybe you're here and God is striking a chord in your heart and you're getting the interpretation thereof of what the Word of God says to you, for you and about you, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Here we have this iron clay feet 
and right from the golden head down, it's smashed by this great stone. Even if, we'll not go to it tonight, but even if you were to go to Daniel chapter 5, you'll read of Belshazzar, uh, it's more likely Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, the last king in Babylon before uh, the Medo-Persians take over. And if you, if you go to there, you'll find that they are having a party and they're worshipping the gods of gold and silver and brass and iron. Also, it mentions wood and stone there. But notice this, they're worshipping these. So these are false systems of worship coming down together throughout the ages and throughout time. Listen to what the Lord Jesus said. Listen to this. Luke chapter 12 and verse 56. Luke chapter 12, verse 56. Now, if you read this, you'll see that he's actually speaking to the Pharisees, the Jewish Pharisees. In other places, he and John the Baptist called these Jewish leaders, he called them serpents, vipers, snakes. Notice what he calls them now, hypocrites. These are the Jewish church leaders. These are men who profess to know God. And he says, you are off your father, the devil. You know why they have taken Babylonian Talmudism as Jewry came, or the Jews came out or Judah came out of Babylon. And they set up a new temple after Nebuchadnezzar and all this story. And this temple was worshiping it, but they became corrupted again with the works of man and traditions of man. And Jesus says there was an influx of all sorts of manner of uh, heathen religious practices. And Jesus says, you're off your father, the devil. Notice what he says here, Luke 12 and 56. Ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth. How is it that you do not discern this time? Now mark that. How is it you do not discern this time? You know, you can mark things. You can mark things in the skies and say what's going to happen. And they were all into their astrology and their astronomy. And they're all into their, their, their feasts. And, and he says, you think you're all into all of this. And you can mark this. You can even look at the sky and it's a little lowering and red. And see what sort of day it's going to be tomorrow. He says, but I'm standing before you and you can't even read the prophets. You can't even see. He says, Messiah is right before you. He says, you're teaching it. You're, you're all full of pomp and ceremony about it. He says, you hypocrite. How many people are claiming the name of Christ? How many people proclaim the name of Christ? How many people say, I belong to Christ, yet they don't know him? They know nothing of him. Here he says, ye hypocrites, well can you discern the face of the sky and off the earth? But how is it you do not discern this time? Now, Jesus says, you should know the prophets. You should know what it says about me. You should know who I am. You're going to miss your day of visitation. Friend, don't you miss your day of visitation if God is speaking to you. Don't you miss your day of visitation if the Lord is speaking to your heart. In Matthew 16 and verse 3, the Lord Jesus says the same. But notice how he finishes the verse. He says, but ye cannot discern the signs of the times. You cannot discern the signs of the times. See the word signs there for signs of the times. It's the word Simeon. Simeon. Now I want you to try and remember it because it's important. I want you to try and remember it's very important. So we have Nebuchadnezzar's dream, the head of gold. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 7, please. Let's turn to Daniel 7. In the first year of Belshazzar, the king, as I said, it would be Nebuchadnezzar's now passed on. This is probably his grandson, the last king that would be ruling in Babylon before Medo-Persia come. Now you might say to me, ah, but chapter 5, Belshazzar's there, and that's his last night, and the Medo-Persians come, the Silver Empire, and they kick them out. They overrun them. Daniel's bringing us right back to remember something before Belshazzar was taken away. 
Belshazzar was the king at this time, and it's in his first year. Now, let's look at this. Daniel chapter 7, please, and verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and the visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and sold the sum of the matters, told the sum of the matters, rather. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea. And the four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. Now, we're going to show you these beasts as I read them. Maybe Denise could put them up for me, please. And the four beasts came up from the sea, diverse or different one from another. Verse 4, the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings were plucked, thereof were plucked, and that was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and the man's heart was given to it. Now see this beast. This is the same as the head of gold. I told you that last week. Daniel is saying what God sees. God sees these kingdoms as beasts. God sees this world as a beast. You're going to see that. He sees this world system as a beast. He sees this world usury and banker system as a beast. He sees the false religions of the world as beasts. You're going to see that. When man sees it in a dream, he says, I'm thy great, I'm a head of gold or silver or brass or iron. I'm thy strong, I'm thy great, I'm thy wonderful. And the Lord says, no, you're not, you're like a beast. Notice what it says then, and for the next one, verse 5, And behold, another beast, a second leg under the bear, and it raised up itself on one side and had three ribs in its mouth and between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. The bear is the same as the two arms of silver, the Medo-Persian kingdom. The bear is on one side lopsided, the same as the two arms, and it means it is a coalition government. That's the Medes and the Persians. Verse 6, And after this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. Now notice, we have the leopard, four heads. We looked at it in, in depth last week. Four heads were four generals that took over Alexander the Great. The four wings of a fowl. That's not four chicken wings, by the way. That is four eagle's wings, okay. Or four uh, wings of a, of a bird of prey. So we think of a fowl, we think of a clucking chicken running around the place. Not very terrible, sure is not. But this is a, an artist's impression of it. The four wings spoke of four uh, provinces that these four generals had broken the Grecian Empire up into. We can't go east now. We're going to start going west, okay? Now, notice what it says in verse 7. After this, I saw in the night visions, behold, a fourth beast. Now, notice this. Dreadful and terrible and strong, exceeding it, it had great iron teeth. It devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse, diverse from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. Now, take note. It had Ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And, and, and behold, in this horn were the eyes like the eyes of a man, and mouth speaking great things. So here we have this beast. Notice lion, bear, leopard like. But this one, can't describe it. It's just a, a horrible beast. This is only an artist's impression. A horrible beast, and it had ten horns. Then as he looks at it, another little horn starts to push up and pulls three horns out. What on earth did that mean? We're going to show you, so stay with me. This is very important for where we're going. Stay with me. When we go to Daniel 12 and verse 4 at the end of the book, the angel tells Daniel, but thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book and listen to what he says, even to the time of the end. Daniel, I want you to shut up these writings, even to the time of the end. Even to the time of the end. Now we know that the last days are, these are the last of the last days we believe, but we know that the last days they're the days after the death, burial, and resurrection, and the outpouring of the Spirit. 
in the day of Pentecost. Around there is the last days from there on in, waiting for Christ's return, that stone kingdom that will come. Now take note of this. Take note of this. The book of Daniel, he says, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Now we're going to go into the book of Revelation and the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ opens what Daniel closed. Now that's very important for you to get that. Daniel, shut the book. Maybe five, fifty, six hundred years before Christ. Shut the book to the time of the end. Then we have the Lord Jesus coming. The king who was prophesied of by Isaiah. The king who the angels spoke about. Born in Bethlehem. Growing as a man. We have the gospels. We have him bleeding and dying on the cross for our sin. To redeem us back onto God and to reconcile us. We have him going to the grave and rising from the grave. And ascending into heaven glorified. And now we're waiting for him coming back again. These are the last days. But in those last days, what happens? There's a man called John. An apostle of the Lamb, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, the youngest of the band. And he's now an older man, and he's taken and he's placed on the prison island, and he's left there at Patmos. Now, he gets a vision of God, and that's the book of Revelation. Notice Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. Now, this is very important because this is where doctrinal theology goes skew with here. This is where a lot of men shoot at the stars and hit the streetlight. Notice this. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass. Now, people will tell you that after Revelation 3, the book's basically shut until a further time there's some sort of secret rapture, and in there, all this is going to happen from Revelation 4 to about Revelation 19. Now, that's it in a nutshell. Now, listen, I'm going to show you tonight in this book, it's unfolding all the time. God gave us it in his word. Unfolding all the time through history. Notice what it says. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Now, here's something I want to ask you. If this is still 2,000 years later, and we're going to wait maybe another one year or a 1,000 years, so people tell us. If that be so, and we're carried away and we don't see this, why does he need to show us it? Why show us it? And another one, it says, things which must shortly come to pass. Revelation is opening the book that is closed in Daniel, opening it up, and it must shortly come to pass. Notice this. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. Do you know why I said to mark in your mind or in your, word, in your Bible or whatever the word for sign of the times? The word sign. Simeo. Remember I said that? That is the root word here for signified or signified. And it's the word semeno. It's our same root word. And it simply gives the idea of these signs. Watch out for them. Now, if it's to happen, how are we to watch out for them if we're away? So what are the signs of the times? Turn with me to Revelation chapter 13. We're going to get our teeth into this now. So stay with me. This is very important. Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, please. John says, I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. Now take note. Having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the names of blasphemy. Let me just stop you there for a moment. Seven heads, ten horns, ten crowns. Notice the tens here. We'll do the seven in a moment. Remember the tens. We had ten toes of the feet of iron and clay. We had ten horns of the beast of Daniel 7. Now we have it again, ten horns and ten crowns. It's carried right through. You see that? It's carried right through. 
So stay with me. Notice what he says in verse 2. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. Now notice this beast. And his feet were as the feet of a bear. Now take note. And his mouth as the mouth of a lion. So I have missed a bit. And I saw like unto a leopard, his feet were as on the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him power and his seat and authority. So here he sees a beast. And it looks like a leopard. It looks like a bear. <laughs> you noticing anything at the minute? It looks like a lion. These are the beasts that Daniel saw in Daniel chapter 7. Now morphed into one. Remember the gold? Right down, it's all breaking pieces. All the one when the stone comes. Because it's all of one, really. The kingdoms have changed. But the people have carried on in spiritual idolatry. Or, or they've carried on in, in religious sacrifices that are not of God. And paganism and heathenism and humanism and communism. And all these isms. All mixed in with false religion. They're all from Babylon. Notice this beast coming up. Where does he come from? Let's take a look at him. And I saw like unto a leopard, and his feet of a bear, and his mouth is a lion, and the dragon gave him power and a seat on his authority. In other words, the devil. Revelation chapter 12 will tell you that the dragon is the devil, Satan himself. So this beast is, it is run, it is powered, it is enthused by Satan himself. Now, let's look at these seven heads. What does the seven heads mean? The seven heads, remember who's in power and who's in government at this time. The legs of iron. Do you remember that? The Roman Empire, the Caesars. So John's writing us, the Caesars are in power. Who are the seven heads then? They are the seven ruling government forms in pagan Rome. Let me tell you what they are. Kings, consuls, dictators, Desphemers, tribunes, emperors, and military powers. Notice this, seven of them, seven heads. Remember the four heads of the leopard, which was four generals? Here's now seven, if you want, ruling powers at the legs of iron at pagan Romanism. As I said, the ten horns are ten provinces, if you want. Ten provinces that were around Europe and around Italy at that time. Now we're moving west. Why do we go west? Because Babylon followed the lost sheep of the house of Israel scattered. They followed the ten tribes who went west. And they opposed them. That's why. False religion. Notice this. Ten horns. Ten toes. And here's the ten provinces. One, the Goths. Two, Ostrogoths. Three, the Visigoths, four, the Franks, five, the Vandals, six, the Sueves, seven, the Alans, eight, the Hurli, nine, the Burgundians, and ten was the Lombards. That is the ten uh, provinces or ten rulers or leaders of horns from this beast. So Daniel 7 tells us that arose a little horn from among the ten-horned beast. And the little horn pulled out three of these ruling horns. Now stay with me. Three ruling horns. Looking at history then, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. The Herule, the Burgundians, and the Lombards were pulled out from their authoritative powers and they were starting to be overruled by what was then coming forth known as a papal Roman emperor. A papal Roman emperor. In other words, a religious one came. He changed. He morphed. This little horn of the West starts coming out and pulls out these three horns. And it is the beginning of the papacy. Now stay with me. Revelation 13 and 11 again. Verse 11, for time's sake, please. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. The first one came out of the sea. This one comes out of the earth. He comes out, out of the earth and he had, notice this, two horns like a lamb and he spake as a dragon. Two horns as a lamb 
and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth, notice this, all the power of the first beast before him. The one we're after speaking about in Revelation 13. He has all the power. He exercises all that power, but he's different. What does he look like? He looks like a lamb with two horns. And a lamb was, in Scripture is represents God's people. That's why it's the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We are people. Sheep people are sheeple. You are sheeple. Here we have also that the, 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 the scriptures tell us that of Joseph, he, of God, he who leadeth Joseph like a flock. He leads Joseph the flock of God. That is, that was the northern house at the time, but it says, you lead us like a flock, we are a sheep. And then, of course, we hear the parable of the lost sheep and the 99 and the one and all, the, all God's people are represented by sheep. But this sheep... He comes out with two horns, but he speaks like the dragon. Who's the dragon? Revelation chapter 12, Satan. Great swelling words. He speaks like Satan. Yes, a lamb, a symbol of God's people. This sea beast which came up first, now we see the earth beast. And what does it mean? Sea, the sea actually means, uh, gives the idea of peoples and nations, by the way. It's not the sea as you go and you in your summer holidays, and take a plunge. Speaks of peoples and nations. The earth speaks of political, religious powers uh, uh, going across the earth. Stay with me now. Revelation chapter 13, 11. I beheld another beast come up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. Now, Revelation 17. Go to it, please. Revelation 17, verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels and had seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show ye, show thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of the names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Here is this beast. Now he sees it with a woman riding the beast, a harlot, a whore. What is all this? And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a cup, golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication, and upon her forehead was the name written, Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the whole earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Here, John sees past the Protestant Reformation. Hundred million martyrs for the name of Christ. God's word's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. He sees this beast with this woman, this harlot riding upon it, but now the tentacles go out and it's starting to go across the whole earth, becoming a world power. Notice what it says in verse 3. The woman sat upon a scarlet-colored beast, but verse 9 tells us it has seven heads and ten horns, and I want to tell you what the seven heads are. The seven heads are seven hills, the Bible tells you. read on, I haven't time to read it all. The seven heads are seven hills. Rome is the city set on seven hills. In fact, the Vatican sits on the hill of Vaticanus. And Vaticanus simply means the hill of divination. Now, the ten horns. This one's a hard one because what are these ten horns? I'm going to tell you what I believe these to be. I believe this is now, as we look globally, where it goes way beyond even just you have, uh, the, the, it's not only just the Church of Rome, it's all the apostate Protestantism. You've got all the false religions rolled into this, and it's now become one big cesspit of a floating ball of matter in space. But notice this. In 1957, 
the Treaty of Rome, the iron, steel, and coal industry was formed by Paul Henry Spack. I've already told you this weeks ago. I don't want to go into too much. Paul Henry Spack was also the chairman of uh, United Nations. Paul Henry Spack, he got a man, a well-known Jewish extortionate banker called Robert Rothschild, who funded the iron, steel, and coal industry, which became then known as the EEC, which grew again to the European Union. That is the beast which started a world beast. Now, stay with me. The ten horns, the, remember those horns that were plucked up, which was the provinces that I mentioned around Rome? Well, that takes up most of the modern European Union. But now, stay with me. There are ten blocks now divided around the whole earth. The earth is divided into ten blocks by a high conglomerate, and their people called are known as the New World Order. The one world government, one religion, one monetary system. This is their goal. One political system as well. Here are the ten blocks for you. I'll write them for you before we close. One block is known as the North American Union or the North American Alliance. It caused Mexico, United States, and Canada are all now blocked in. You'll see even, you'll see why a lot of, uh, there's, so many Mexicans going up into the United States, and, and Americans aren't happy now. There's so many flooding the border. And they're building a big road up there for commerce. And they're trying to bring in a new economical system. The second block is the EU, Western Europe. The third block is Japan. The fourth block is Australia and South Africa together. But Australia, Japan, and South Africa or especially Japan and Australia, have now uh, conglomerated together what's known as the Japan-Australian Economic Partnership Agreement. The fifth block is the Eastern Europe and Russia. Hello, Ukraine, Georgia. All of those Eastern Ukraine countries into Poland, right across. In fact, John Paul, Pope John Paul II in 1988, He says that the Eastern European bloc was the other lung of Europe and his empire. In other words, when they had the European unions of the West, the European unions of the East became two lungs breathing in the earth, he says. He had to get them into the European Union to join them all together. Can you see what's happening? Can you see now when we look across and we see all the Eastern Europeans now coming and joining? They're joining us together. They're bringing the two lungs of the breath of this system together. Then we move quickly. Sickly, we have the whole of Latin America. They're in a block themselves as well. Then we have North Africa and the Middle East in a block. You can see it all over the news now. They start wars and they go in and they start funding something here and they start putting in other regimes. And when they put that regime in, they take them out when they don't want to use the, the petrodollar anymore. And so it causes uproar and chaos. Then we, uh, and by the way, that's Ezekiel 38. We looked at a few weeks ago as well. Eighthly, we have tropical or central black Africa. And we can see it. It's called the African Economic Community. Ninthly, we have Southeast Asia. And tenthly, we have China. And it's known as China's String of Pearls the whole way across there. China have built a great big uh, seaport uh, at the side of Pakistan. And that seaport's called the Gwadara Seaport. And it's one of the biggest seaports in the world now. They're now buying up in the southern, uh, just off Cuba. China right in America's back door. They're all going to start fighting with each other because these elitists at the top, they'll fund it. The Rothschilds and the Bilderbergers and the Goldman Sachs and all those boys, they'll fund it. And when they fund it, they fund one side, then they fund the other side, and they sit back, and while millions die, they reap in the money. And they control the nations. Paul Henry Speck and Robert Rothschild got together and they formed what is known then at the end of it all and what you and I know as the European Union. Closing, thank you for your attention. So just in case someone thinks that I accuses me of being some maverick, 
accuse me of being some small-minded bigot who's stuck in the past. Saying that I'm not politically correct in my theology, that that's all past, that's all look to a joint future together. Let's all get in and rub each other's back. Let me say this. You know I worked among the Catholic community in Dublin. So many come to the Lord. So I'm not against the Roman Catholic people. Make that clear. I love them. It's the system. It's the system. We have Roman Catholics saved in this church. It's that system. And I'm not one for being politically correct. I know that. But I want to be biblically correct. I want to say what God's word says. So as for being stuck in the past, then I'm prepared to stay there. And when I'm compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses who held the same teaching and the same position that I've come with, the early uh, Puritans and the early Reformers recognized Bible prophecy being fulfilled right before their eyes when they read Daniel 7. And they saw the cult of Caesar and the Roman iron legs throughout the nations as the little horn of Daniel chapter 7 came to pass. Stay with me. I am privileged to be stuck in the past as I follow the teachings and the revelation of such a great cloud of witnesses as Reformation worthies as John Huss, or pre-Reformation even John Huss, Wycliffe, Luther, Melanchthon, Zwingli, John Calvin, Bezer, Boucher, John Knox, Farrar, Hooper, Latimer, Ridley, Cranmer, Usher, Firth, Barnes, Philport, Bacon, Turner, Cartwright, Barrow, Jewell, Coverdale, Lord Cobham, Hooker, Ainsworth, Dent, Fox, Fulk, Bradford, Bullinger, Rogers, Hutchinson, Whitgift, Sir Francis Drake, and a host of others. Also, Reformation worthy such as Sir Post-Reformation worthies such as Sir Isaac Newton, Sir Henry Vance, Sir Brightman, Milton, Baird, Baxter, Bishop Newton, John Bunyan, Fleming, John Wesley, and Charles Wesley, Matthew Henry, John Edwards, Gill, Clark, John Trapp, Brown, Augustus Toplady, who wrote Rock of Ages, Clef for Me, Poole, Clarkson, Swinnock, Brooks, Charnock, Sibbs, Goodwin, John Owen, Hall, Cunningham, Mountain, Smith, Adams, Perkins, Gilpin, Field, and Durham. Burroughs, Thomas Fuller, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, J.A. Wiley, who wrote The History of Protestantism, Elliot, Cumming, Bishop Good, J.C. Ryle, Albert Barnes, Wordsworth, Reverend Alexander Hislop, who wrote The Two Babylons, A.J. Gordon, often called the father of fundamentalism, D.L. Moody, Hudson Taylor, Grattan Guinness, Salmond, Reverend Dillonsdale T. Young, Horn, Close, T.T. Shields, Kensett, Baron Pacelli, Finney, F.B. Meyer, all church uh, historical men who believed the scriptures for what they said. Our own John, our, 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 our own principal George Jeffries believed it, and Stephen Jeffries. I want to read this. Give me five more minutes and I'll finish. Is that okay? Five more minutes. I want to read, read what the church decrees originally were. Some of them have been changed now to become politically correct, to be ecumenized. The Episcopalian or the Anglicans, so your Church of Ireland, your Church of England, Scotland, and so on. Listen, the Irish Articles number 79 and 80. Number 79. The Bishop of Rome now challengeth to be supreme head of the universal church of Christ, to be above all emperors, kings, and princes, as a usurped power to the scriptures and the word of God. 80. His works and doctrine do plainly discover him to be that man of sin foretold in the holy scriptures. Let me tell you again, Presbyterianism, the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 26, paragraph 6. There is no other head of the church but the Lord Jesus Christ. Nor can the Pope of Rome in any sense be head thereof, but is that Antichrist, that man of sin and son of perdition, that exalteth himself in the church against Christ and all that is called God. The Congregationalists, Savoy Declaration, chapter 26, paragraph 4, and the Baptist Confession of 1688, chapter 26, 
and verse, uh, paragraph 4, all claim the same. Listen to the notes of John Wesley on this, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3, of the man who sits in the temple claiming and taking the worship of God as though he were God. Listen to what Wesley says. He it is that opposeth himself to the emperor, once his rightful sovereign, and exalteth himself above all that is called God or all that is worshipped, commanding angels and putting kings under his feet, claiming the highest power, the highest honor, implied in this ordinary title, Most Holy Lord, Most Holy Father, declaring himself that he is God, claiming the prerogatives which belong to God himself alone. What does that tell you, brothers and sisters? And you'll switch on your funny channel, your comedy channel, the God channel, and you'll switch it on and they'll say, let's all get together. Let's all worship together. We're all brethren. Just this week, Pope Francis went and worshiped in Turkey in an Islamic mosque. Just recently, Pope Francis says, you do not need to be born again to enter heaven. He also claimed that those who are practicing homosexuals will also be in God's heaven. You know what he's doing? He's the first Jesuit pope that sat in the line of the man of sin. He's drawn everybody in. Isn't he a wonderful man? He's ecumenizing and he's bringing people to hell. I declare, I decree, should it be the last thing I say, for me, it's Christ and Christ alone. He only is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by him. Let me finish and thank you for your attention. Turn with me to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 7. So he is this little horn of the west, the city set on a hill. The book of Daniel takes us right down. Verse 8, we finished reading it. Verse 9 says, And I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the ancients of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and his hair, hair of his head like pure wool, and the throne, his throne was like the fiery flame, his wheels was burning fire. I want you to go home and read the book of Revelation. And who does John see when he turns around in the glory? His hair was as white as wool, his eyes like a flame of fire, his feet like burnished brass. He sees the glorified Christ who's coming again. Daniel saw this, but he understood. Nebuchadnezzar saw it, but he could not see it and understand it. Notice, verse 11, I beheld the throne, I held them because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld men till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning. Let your eye run down to verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancients of days. And they brought him near unto him, and there was given him a dominion of glory and a kingdom, and all people, the nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is what? An everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away in his kingdom. This, his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. Here Christ is seen by Daniel in the future, risen from the dead, coming to the glory of his father receiving the kingdom. And I believe he's turning around and he's about to send him back again. The stone kingdom's coming. Are you ready? Are you saved? Are you washed in the blood? You know, I haven't time to turn to it. Then he's put some of those up of the European Union. Did you do that? Maybe I didn't see it. Those photos. See, European Union, the woman riding the beast, this woman. Look at that. European Union, woman riding the beast. Do the next one. Look at this. On the coins, the woman and the beast. 
Two euro coin. Is there another one? There we go. On the day of the European Union. You go home and you read Revelation chapter 19, 20 and you'll read of the beast and the dragon and the false prophet that is Islam, the beast that we see of the all apostate and ungodly world systems, not just Rome now, all of them, all those who reject Christ as Savior, all those will be cast into a lake of fire. Revelation 20. The beast, the dragon, the false prophet are threw into the lake of sulfur. I trust there's none of us here will be there. How will I escape it? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and I shall be saved. Praise his name. Thank you. That was long tonight, wasn't it? But I'm glad you came and I'm glad you gave me the, the time.